Hello, my name is Ken, and I want to welcome you back to Deep Waters. This podcast is brought to you by Applied Strengths Ministry, where we believe working together in our strengths is the effect of working out the will and calling of God in our lives. The title of this message is, Don't Take Aspirin If You Don't Have a Headache. This is a multi-episode series in which this is episode one of two. I try and pop these messages in time to time so that we don't get off track with what this ministry is all about. I hear peeps saying things about other believers that they ought not be saying, especially in social media. In another message, I taught that the Bible is for three people groups. Authentically born-again believers, the seed of God, one. Two, those who are being saved, but who are currently in captivity due to their sinful lifestyle, unrepentant sinful lifestyle. And then three, the unsaved are the seed of Satan. There's no other people groups. All are included. And so it is important to know your audience and to apply the teaching and or correction in the correct circumstances to the right people at the right time. Mostly it's the Holy Spirit that will lead you to do so. The difficulty is us and then more of us. The Bible states it is his goodness that leads people to change or want to change, that is to repent. So we see that there's an effective plan already in place. However, we are doing a roundabout on who exactly the goodness of God's scripture is talking about. Romans 2.4 Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Yikety yike yike. I have heard and taught, yes taught, that this is why we don't come hard against a sinner when preaching the gospel. And of course, we shouldn't go hard just because. But so often I would back off and invite the person who is living like the devil, has his cell number, and is one of his Facebook friends, because, well, it is God's goodness that will lead them to change. All of the while, this person is in attendance in the house of God, wreaking havoc in the services, as we wait until God's goodness takes effect. Now don't get me wrong, I believe in God's goodness, his grace and mercy, which, without, I am done. Can I say first that the gospel stings as it was designed to when presented in love? The real love that is concerned for the person high-speeding to hell. I've been a believer long enough to know that if we win a convert preaching around a conviction of their sin, the negative impacts their sin has had on those around them, on God, and on themselves, then we win a no-doubt-to-be-a-future-fall-and-failed disciple if they ever could have been one. Look in every revival and great awakening I've read about, sin was dealt with, with an equal intensity and ferocity as a slap on the face in wintertime in Alaska by a bear with nine-inch nails. I know it's a ban, but the point? Don't miss the point. If revivals are a model for the unequaled presence of God, and this is how it is done in them there are places, then ought we not imitate and follow the template? Okay, so now you know you can preach the authentic gospel and allow it to convict the world of sin. You know that we don't invite unbelievers to church. And unless a person is an authentically born-again believer, they will not and cannot change regardless of how good God is. Repentance is for the believer. We know this even logically, I dare say, because unless you are authentically born again, you will have no desire to change. There is nothing to repent from. Because I am good with myself and God doesn't exist, or you know if he is a good God, he will see just how good I am. 
No, but funny business aside, it's God's goodness that leads the authentically born-again believer to repent, that is, to change, not the unbeliever. Okay, so you think I dropped my mic in the center of that last paragraph and walked off stage believing you didn't hear what I said about inviting non-believers to church? No, I'm sure you caught it. I've already done a great message on the purpose of the church and have discussed this in other messages as it seems to bleed into other topics as well as the purpose of the church. Ten to one. Yes, it is about that, but I cannot prove the ratio of the one. Read Acts and point out where it says that a church is for the non-believer. But before you do, save some time and review my message on the church purpose and be overwhelmed with the fact that we have been doing some things wrong in today's church. And I believe that this is one of them. And it is a critical one. But now don't fret. I am aware of the thousands of reasons why it's a good idea to invite a child of the devil into our and his holy presence, into our place where we are to be equipped for the work of ministry. Yippo, I have heard the bent excuses and scriptural abuses twisting them to satisfy the butts-in-the-tithe offering pay in the bill seat ministry. But if we move away from the thought about how we pay the electric bill, we can see why your church has the power of a 10-watt bulb and cannot be defined as a gospel-power, kingdom-building, life-changing, Holy Spirit-moving church. I have said this before, but let's try it again, because I love the truth. Because if you're anything like me, I don't mind looking like an idiot if I'm wrong. I just don't want to waste my life laying a foundation built upon lies and misrevelations about God and His Word. If your church stopped existing, would your community remain the same, get better, or get worse? Now this is not dependent on your subjectivity and Lombard Street definition of church success. Now maybe I'm the only one that can see things as they are, but I am sure, but I am sure that you would have had to have trained yourself not to see them in your midst. Otherwise you too would see them. It, by the way, is not a negative or judgmental perspective that I intentionally take when looking at things. I just have a passion to do things God's way. And no, 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 I do not believe in the excuse that no one or nothing is perfect, and so we are not always going to hit the mark. Well, looks like I found my soapbox. So let's climb in and watch the scrubbing bubbles of truth, truth, dawn. I can go into most churches, not all, just most, and in about 12 and a half seconds, See things that do not help that church move forward. I know that I'm not the gift of the church that I sometimes think I am or sound like I am, but I have three others in my family that seem to carry the same gift. We see dead activities, a serious lack of customer service, and quality of deliverables in many of the places we go. We can see when a person is not operating in their strength or their gift or their calling. I don't know why, we just can so much so that it becomes very frustrating because we don't want to come across as negative and judgmental. But clearly we are given a model for how the church functions and should be impacting the world. And there are so very few hitting this mark effectively. Of course I am right. Look at the condition of your neighborhood and your own members. How many of them are completely unchanged from year to year? How many of them are actually transformed? What type of testimonies do they have? You know, most churches don't even do testimonies anymore. The Bible that I read says, be ready in and out of season to give a good testimony. We need to let people know that God is working in our lives on us. I'm just talking here. Look at some of my many other messages and tell me I'm wrong. 
Do you see a revival atmosphere anywhere? No, anywhere? I know of a few churches. But again, I'm not a world traveler, so I don't know what exists outside of the U.S. or even outside of paradise. I think we have five churches in paradise. So now I return to one of the biggest reasons why this is happening. But I will name some of the other reasons so that you can be sure I'm not singularly focused and obsessed with having a revival atmosphere church in my community, even though I am. So this list is in no particular order. It's just a list. And it's my list. Non-believers in church, invited intentionally. That shouldn't be happening. Misunderstanding of what it is to love your neighbor and enemy. The belief that unforgiveness is a spiritual gift. No equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. The harem mentality. Absence of single-mindedness in the churches. Absence of the Holy Spirit. Not making disciples that remain. A lack of obedience-minded sheep. Knowing God is not a primary objective. And excuses, excuses, and excuses. There are others I've already mentioned. Money seems to get in the way. Having to pay the bills seems to get in the way. Flesh mixed with spirit is obviously something that gets in the way. Fame gets in the way. Idolatry gets in the way. But those are the obvious ones. So did you hear that? Smith Wigglesworth just rolled over in his grave at the absence of a strong prayer life and faith with works not being included in this bunch. They are important, but are useless without these things being dealt with. Perfection, holiness, righteousness, purity, sinless, and sanctification, to name a few, are absent because of that list of ineffective activities and beliefs. You can't deal with holiness if you're inviting the devil's kids into the church. Remember, everybody's carrying a spirit. It's either the Holy Spirit or it's another one. And it's not holy. And we know this because the Bible says to test every spirit. How many people are trained on how to do that? So if you're still with me, you are probably waiting for a solution, which of course, there is. Let's get back on our skateboard and go for a ride. When you freely listen, read, and or watch messages and teachings regarding God and Jesus, you should be doing so with the objective to get what you need and leave the rest. You don't go into the grocery store and buy everything just because you are hungry. Although I recommend not doing this, as the bill tends to be larger than going shopping after a well-eaten meal. When you go into a library, let me define it, for the younger at heart, this is a building where we now store history. They used to serve as book loaners, whereby you could go in and check out a book and return it when you have finished reading it. Now most things are done online, of course. Enough digressing. Well, that's it for today, and maybe you should be. Remember, it's not what you find wrong or disagree with regarding these messages, but what you can take away from it. Together, we can do more to impact the kingdom than if we work alone. Let's flip the script and kill, still and destroy the works of the enemy, and create space for the light of life to shine through into people's lives. Plant a seed and click on the like and subscribe button. Let's build this ministry together. Thanks to see you next time in deep waters.